over this Kiev symphony thing. Don't be reluctant. It's an opportunity to serve. And it's a great opportunity to serve. And, um, you know, you don't need a, a fancy house in uh, Tigerville. Um, all you need is, is a free bed. And, um, you know, it's, a, it's an opportunity for us to say, okay, for three days I'm setting my needs aside so that I can minister to somebody who, whose needs go unmet for a large portion of the year. Don't miss this, guys. It's it's just it's just. Do you remember? I, where's Mark Grisham? Is Mark in here? Mark and Elizabeth. When they were gathering on the bus the day they were leaving, we were all gathered out there. And and what were we doing, Mark? We were crying. We were all gathered crying because it was such a moving thing and didn't want them to go and it was just you know kind of like you go to the camp for the first time you meet a girlfriend and you don't want to leave her you know it was it was unbelievable and i i went home from there and told my wife that that was the most unbelievable thing i've ever witnessed and and i just don't want you to miss that just because well you know i've got to get the kids to the soccer game and you know We'll help you get them to the soccer game or skip the blasted soccer game, you know, and, uh, once. But anyway, don't miss that. And the tickets are on sale. And um, uh, do, do you know the women's the women's thing is sold out the, this coming Sunday night? No tickets left. Can't You can't even come and stand. Don't let that happen to you on this thing. You have two opportunities. We're, we're hoping to get 850 seats, 900 seats in that thing out there, and uh, they're going to be crammed in there. But um, it's it'll cost you 30 bucks for you and your wife or whomever or a date, um, and it'll be the richest 30 bucks you'll spend. You will be. You, it, it, I don't know how much more I can say. Enough. Let's go to Romans chapter three and and begin. Uh, our look at this, and I have to tell you that uh, in one sense, I have been um, waiting for this just about the whole year that we um, have been studying Romans. This is the section that I have been chomping at the bit to get to. I, I have to say, ladies and gentlemen, in my humble opinion, this has got to be one of the richest sections of Scripture in the entirety of God's Word. Now, there are great stories like David and Goliath, and we all love David and Goliath, and we get moved by, uh, by sweet stories like Ruth and, and, and great uh, historical narratives that are included in the Scriptures, and they are wonderful and we enjoy them, and, and etc. But in terms of profundity... And, and richness in terms of our soul's defi- uh, destiny. Nothing could be better than this. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to sing for you again. I am bound. I am bound. This is a solo. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I am bound for the promised land. You're about to figure out why. 
over the next few weeks and months, you're going to figure out, I hope, with the most unbelievable clarity why we can stand up here and sing, I'm bound for the promised land. So here we go. It's a text. Uh, I, I'm only going to read one verse because that's. I'm not even sure we're going to cover all of it. We'll do our best. But now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. These, uh, these two words, this conjunction and an adverb, but now, marks a whole new section in this epistle of, uh, of Romans. Um, and this new section begins with this, but now. And they are, ladies and gentlemen, some of the richest words of relief to be found in the Bible. It is God's answer to man's utter and complete and total failure. They begin with, but now. Uh, chapter 1, verse 18, through chapter 3, verse 20, was a section. And in that previous section to this one, Paul has established, without a shadow of a doubt, he has done it with argument after argument after argument, he has established that no man will ever, or has any man ever, been able to justify himself in the presence of God. So now Paul goes on to show that there is a remedy. There is one way. There is only one way, but there is one way. And thank God there is a way. Ladies and gentlemen, if we, if Paul, if the book, if the Bible consisted of Romans chapter 1 to uh, Romans chapter 3, verse 20, and that's all we had was three pages, three, two and a half chapters, and that's all we had, you and I would be left in utter dismay. We would have been left in utter despair. But now, thank God, there is a way. There is one way. And... Um, that's what he's about to tell us all about. But gang, as I said to you last week, before a man can be told about this way of hope that exists for him, he has first got to realize his hopelessness. There is, there is only one reason, ladies and gentlemen, there is only one reason to go to Christ. And... Um, we're told in this text that that reason is revealed. There's, there's no reason for anybody to ever be able or have to say, what is that way? Because that way is revealed. It is made fully evident. And, and he's going to do as, as much of a genius job on this as he did convincing man that his, his uh, condition was hopeless. In my opinion, ladies and gentlemen, there are no more wonderful words in the whole of Scripture than but now. Paul uses those two words to introduce us to the gospel. 
and I say to you, gang, there ought to be something in us that leaps every time we hear but now therefore by the deeds of the law no flesh will be justified in his sight for by the law is the knowledge of sin And, and I say to you also, gang, if those, if there's others of you here, like myself, who from time to time struggle with assurance, here are two good words that you ought to be able to use against Satan's suggestions that you're not real. Yeah, all that stuff is true. But now, the things are a bit different. Now, but before we go too far, is this much clear to you? That is, has this been made abundantly clear to you? You can never make yourself right before God. Have you got that down? There is no amount of Confirmation classes or baptisms, I, I don't care how long you existed as an acolyte, it matters not how many times you've taught Sunday school, have you got it very firmly, squarely, clearly in your mind, you can never make yourself right before God. Having gotten that squared away, boy, do I have some great news for you. Having gotten that down, but now, and those, those two little words do a couple of things. First of all, they provide a contrast to what Paul has been saying heretofore. In those, those first two and a half chapters, now we see that there is a watershed. You know what a watershed is? It's the kind of thing that separates everything from one the other thing. So now we've arrived at a watershed. These, these two words introduce us or provide for us a contrast to all that he has been saying heretofore. But it also are, these are also words that provide for us the introduction to this new thing. This new thing that he has not yet before mentioned. Oh, he, he, has, he has used the word gospel. But in terms of working it out systematically, in terms of providing detail and richness and, 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 uh, and uh, explanation, it's coming now. Um, something has happened. Something has happened to change everything. And what is that? And it is the righteousness of God apart from the law has been revealed. Ladies and gentlemen, is it not interesting, at least I hope you will find it interesting, in evangelicalism, I'm not sure we would have started that way. 
um, this gospel that Paul is about to explain to us is a gospel that is entirely of God. Now, by the way, let me, just an aside, a quick aside. We believe in a trinity, of course. Um, unfortunately, the term God can be a, a bit misleading because you can use the term God two ways. If you say God, you can use it to refer to the whole trinity. You know, God that do exist in Father, Son, and Spirit. Or you can use the term God to refer to the Father. Now keep that in mind because throughout this, ladies and gentlemen, we are referring not to the entirety of the Trinity. Uh, Paul is more accurate than that. He is more definitive in his language. He is referring to the Father. And this gospel that he is about to explain to us in massive detail is entirely God's. It is a righteousness provided by God, prepared by God, made available by God, and one, in, in, in our day, if we were about to begin to a, a discussion of the gospel, we might begin to talk about Jesus Christ. Now, please, I do not want to be heard in any way to denigrate, to depreciate, to undervalue uh, Jesus Christ. Um, but what you find in Paul, he does, what he does first is say, the righteousness of God is revealed. It is God who is the planner and the initiator of this gospel. B because sin, ladies and gentlemen, after all, sin is really a rebellion against God. Gang, I'm afraid sometimes in our in our in evangelicalism, what we end up doing is eliminating the, the role that God the Father plays at all. Listen to this, guys. You know this text. For God so loved the world that he gave. Now, guys, um, you've got to understand that this gospel is, is originating with God. And he cannot be in any way ignored, minimized, left out. Because ultimately, ladies and gentlemen, it was the grand and glorious heart of God the Father that was moved to provide something for sinners such as we. Guys, sin is not just something that means that you and I have failed and we, uh, you know, we didn't live, uh, we didn't quite live up to the standards that we set for ourselves. Um, sin is not the stuff that just makes us very miserable and unhappy and, and, and you know, kind of destroys our marriages, etc., etc. The essence of sin is rebellion against God, leading to an estrangement from that God. 
And if we do not conceive of sin always in reference to God and our relationship to him, then I say to you, we have an inadequate uh, concept of what sin is. Do you remember um, in, in Psalm 51 where David has got that great confession of sin he has just committed adultery with Bathsheba and, and then had her husband murdered on the fields of, uh, of battle. And, and then he, 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 he writes this psalm uh, that is uh, his, his psalm of penitence, Psalm 51. And in that, in that psalm, he says this, Against thee and thee only have I sinned. Well, wait a minute, David. Wait, wait, wait just a second. Uh, what about Bathsheba? Didn't you sin against Bathsheba too? Uh, well, yeah, yeah, I guess I did. Uh, well, what about Uriah the Hittite? Didn't you sin against him? But the point is, ladies and gentlemen, before anybody sins for, uh, over anything in any way, it is before thee. David had to take the law of God and trample it beneath his feet before he could ever go call for Bathsheba. And if you have a, an awareness of sin that eliminates or that, that doesn't take into account that it's first and foremost an estrangement from God, then you have an inadequate view of sin. Uh, and, and, and because that's true, this has got to be the starting place for our evangelism just like Paul's. The, the good news that he's got to tell you is that the righteousness of God, apart from the law, has been revealed. Um, primarily, ladies and gentlemen, we are rebels against God uh, and estranged from that God. And our and our primary need, therefore, is to be reconciled to that God. And I say this with a great deal of caution because I do not want to be misunderstood. Be very careful about how you hear me. But we do not merely need to come to the Lord Jesus Christ. Our object is to come to God. That's what we need. As our sin is separation from Him, our salvation is reconciliation to Him. And how do we get that? God, of course, is through the, the, the finished work of Christ. But understand that when Paul gets ready to announce this great and glorious gospel, he does not start the way we start. We start with, hmm, heaven's a free gift and it's, uh, you know, it can't be earned or deserved. That's not where Paul starts. He starts by saying, you want some good news? I got it for you. The righteousness of God is revealed apart from the law. That in his mind is good news. And the next thing that is made so plain and so clear and will be again and again and again is that it is God himself who provides this one way of salvation as we seek to return to him. It is God who provides everything, and he does it, of course, 
in the provision of his Son and Savior. It is God who sent him. It is God who assigned him that task. The entire action of the gospel is from God. It originates in the grand and glorious, big, gracious heart of God. It is God who so loved the world. But, but I think we, we tend to forget that. And unfortunately, um, I think become a, a tad Christocentric. And I hope you realize that when it's all said and done, Jesus Christ is going to take all that he did. He's going to give it back to the Father. I say to you, ladies and gentlemen, that the term, the righteousness of God, is one of the most crucial expressions in the Bible. You must understand it. It is one of the most crucial expressions in the Bible. The fulfillment of all of the law which God provided is ours by imputation through faith in Christ. That's as simply as I can put it, ladies and gentlemen, but every word in that sentence is pregnant with importance. The righteousness of God has provided, or the, the fulfillment of the law has been provided by God through Christ. And what Christ accomplished becomes ours through faith. And by the way, ladies and gentlemen, the word imputation, don't let that word stumble you. It's a, it's a nice little theological word that we bounce around quite a bit. But imputation simply means that I get credit for it. It gets transferred to my account. So let me say it again. The fulfillment of the law, all of the demands that God makes upon a sinner ha have been provided. It has been accomplished by Christ. And that becomes mine by way of imputation through faith in Christ. Why is the gospel such marvelous news, ladies and gentlemen? Because it is the righteousness of God, in this gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed and it is received by us through faith. And let me show you one thing. If, if you can find real quick, because this, this is something I, in my present study that I've never seen before. If you can find 2 Corinthians 5 real quick, this is a very famous verse. 2 Corinthians 5 at verse 21. Listen, listen to verse 21. For he, I tell you what, let's 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 play let's play commentarians to make sure that everybody's still awake. For he made him. Who's the he? God the Father made him. Who's the Him? God the Son. So God the Father makes God the Son 
That is, the one who knew no sin to be sin for us. Now notice this next clause. That we might become the righteousness of God in Him. Ladies and gentlemen, the righteousness of God, which has been provided by God, I now become a partaker. It becomes mine by possession. I get the righteousness of God. The righteousness of God becomes mine. And, and the only righteousness, ladies and gentlemen, that is acceptable to God is not some kind of legal righteousness. And that's what this prepositional phrase in here, apart from the law, the, the righteousness that is acceptable to God is not a, it's not a legal one. It's not, it's not one that is based on any conditions of obedience to the law on our part, but on the condition of faith. The righteousness of which God is the author is granted to men, and it becomes mine by faith. Ladies and gentlemen, um, you know, we there's a lot of discussions that go on so often in the Christian church about um, about Christian music, and uh, you know, I, I I think I think we went through a period, uh, maybe a year or two ago, where we um, but we kind of worked through some things about Christian music, and I hope we have, and I hope we've kind of settled into a nice little thing here. I, at least I hope we have. From time to time, I get a nasty little card saying, can't you do something about it? And the answer is no, I'm completely impotent uh, to do something about the music. Um, 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 so, you know, we just, we just don't, we don't have any more discussions about it. Like, you know, we're kind of excited about what's going on. I don't know how anybody could have sat in that music on Sunday morning and not have just been absolutely exhilarated. It was um, it was done excellently, and I I wondered who all those people had contracts with, but it was just wonderful. But you know, part of the problem that you have is you know you got the good new courses and you got the good new these things and these things. Some of them they're rich, rich, rich. Jimmy Umoff doesn't choose anything that is not rich with meaning and import. But one of the things that we have that have we have struggled with is that we do not want our children to grow up um, not knowing the, the the great hymns of the faith, and so from, you know we're trying to weave in a hymn a week so that our that our children can grow up um, knowing the hymns that are so full of richness. Well, if you do any study of theology books whatsoever. You're going to find one hymn that is, at least a portion of it, that is mentioned again and again and again. And because it is so simple to understand and so marvelously communicative of the gospel. It's an old Isaac Watts hymn, which was written probably in... 1828. I don't know when he wrote. I'm, how could anything be good that was written in 1828 when we can sing Kumbaya now? <laughs> but the song simply states this. Nothing in my hand I bring. Simply 
the righteousness of God. Apart from the law. Has been revealed. It's been made clear. And I say to you, ladies and gentlemen, if you miss it, it's because you chose to miss it. Because God has gone to such extremes to make it clear to us. This is the righteousness of God that has been provided for us by God. And from first to last, it has been affected by His Son. I say to you, ladies and gentlemen, there are, gosh, um, there are, there are places in the ecclesiastical spectrum that you can go that put a very major import on your baptism. That you cannot be saved unless you're baptized by immersion by us. I want you to know you had best be very careful if that is your view because I say to you you can't sing nothing in my hand I bring you can sing my hands are completely empty except I am bringing my baptism with me and then I cling to the cross with the other one but ladies and gentlemen this is a righteousness from first to last has been provided. All of it. Everything that draws us away from the significance of that provision darkens this book from front to back. Anything that weaves its way into our understanding, that, that removes the clarity of this concept that the righteousness of God from first to last is His provision, it is going to invite error at every turn. And that is the mistake of the cults, ladies and gentlemen. It is not that they don't celebrate Christmas or that they don't do caffeine or smoke cigarettes. The error is that the righteousness of God is not enough for them. Anything that is added to the righteousness of us, this glorious God, does nothing but corrupt the simplicity of the gospel of Christ. Gang. It is to this righteousness that the eye of every believer in this room must be directed throughout the rest of your life. It is on this righteousness that we must rest. It is on this righteousness that we must live. It is on this righteousness that we must die. And it is on this righteousness that we must appear before the judgment seat of Christ. 
and it is in this righteousness that we will stand forever in the presence of God. May I read you one verse out of the Old Testament? I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall, shall be joyful in my God. For he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments. And as a bride adorns herself with jewels. I will forever praise him. Because he has clothed me, clothed me with the robes of his righteousness. Oh God, might we never tamper with this simple gospel. This gospel that starts out by saying that the righteousness of God is revealed apart from the works of the law. This gospel is is one that tells us about the righteousness of God who provided everything that his law demanded and he makes it ours. It becomes our property when we embrace this Savior. And so we stand here tonight with one eye cut towards the righteousness of God. We will forever sing about the righteousness of God. We will forever celebrate the righteousness of God. Father, we are a we are a wicked lot. But our wickedness has been covered by robes dipped in blood. Oh God, might every person in this room understand that with absolute clarity. We thank you for the opportunity to study and look forward to more and more of this divine, holy inspired genius making clear to us the gospel we love. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you and good night.